So allow me to um, read through this psalm, and then I'll have a few comments for us upon it. Psalm 57. Hear God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. To the chief musician, set to do not destroy, a mictum of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would have swallowed me up, who would swallow me up, excuse me. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit for me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. If I were to uh, summarize this psalm into a, 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 a statement, a theme, it would be a cry for God to be exalted because of his great mercy. A cry for God to be exalted because of his great mercy. As you look at the psalm, it's relatively easy to divide up this psalm into two parts. And that's also reflected in our Psalters, as you will see um, as we sing them in our blue Psalters. 57a and 57b reflects what I believe is a, a, a way to divide up the psalm into the first section and the sex, second section. And in those sections, we see uh, a greater contrast than we might typically see in some of the other psalms. In verses 1 through 4, we have the psalmist David crying out to God for mercy. And in verses 5 through 11, we have the the psalmist crying out to God to be exalted. A cry for mercy and a cry for God to be exalted. Notice in the first part of of, um, the psalm in verse 1, if you want to look at that again, he says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. His cry is for salvation, which is always a cry for mercy. We could be reminded of the words of the tax collector in Luke 18, 13, when he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There we have him crying out for salvation. And although at this time David's cry is for salvation from King Saul, it can and ought to be applied to the totality of our salvation. That is, salvation from all of our enemies, which would include Satan and even 
ourselves. Notice that David says, For my soul trusts in you, in verse 1. My soul seeks refuge in you. Though David had sought for refuge in a cave from Saul, on at least two different occasions, we read about that in the book of Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David runs to the cave in Adullam. And in 1 Samuel 24, he runs to a cave in the wilderness of En Gedi. And uh, this psalm could be uh, either one of those instances, referring to either one of those, because it says when David, when David fled from Saul into the cave. But this cave itself was not sufficient refuge from his enemies. He still needed to find refuge in the Lord. And as he says here, under the shadow of your wings. This is reminiscent of Deuteronomy 32, 11, which in reference to God's care, which says in reference to God's care of the Israelites, that he is like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading out its wings and taking them up and carrying them on its wings. So this is probably a reference to God himself. Or it could possibly be a reference to the wings of the angels or angelic creatures like the cherubim, whose wings covered the mercy seat and whom God sends out to save and deliver his people. As it says in verse 3, He shall send from heaven and save me. Now David says he needs to be, he needs to be saved from lions. He says in verse 4 that his soul is among lions, which is obviously a figurative expression, although we actually know that uh, David would actually fight lions literally. But in this psalm, he's using it in a figurative way. And even uh, Satan himself is said to be like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour and these are the kinds of things that we ought to think of when we, when we read Peter saying that Satan goes about as a roaring lion. He is thinking back and referring back to these Old Testament references. But who are the lions specifically in this psalm um, for David? Well, it is Saul primarily, but then also those who are on the side of Saul, who are the soldiers of Saul, and who are working for him as they're seeking to find David. Now, in the last several psalms, we've seen the various enemies who are against David and who oppose his reign as king. In Psalm 54, it was David's own countrymen, the Ziphites, who were in the land of Judah. In Psalm 55, it was David's familiar friend, Ahithophel, in Psalm 56, it was the Philistines who were the avowed enemies of God and his people. And we've, we've seen how in these various psalms, we've seen one enemy after the other, each a different form, a different type of enemy of God and of his people. And here in this psalm, it is clearly Saul who is in view. As it says in the superscription, a victim of David, when he fled from Saul into the cave. In Psalm 56, verse 2, the previous psalm, the psalmist says, My enemies would hound me all day long. We just sang about that. For there are many who fight against me. And here we see that it is Saul who has hounded David and chased him even to a cave 
to hide. And as with all of the previous enemies we have seen, so this one also uses his tongue for evil. One of the greatest weapons of the enemies that we see time and again is the use of the tongue. And I don't know that I really picked up on this before, but especially in these last several songs we have been singing in the Psalter, we see how much the tongue of the enemy is that great weapon which is used against God's people. And all of these enemies, we, uh, the, 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 these foolish enemies uh, are mentioned uh, in their use of the tongue. In Psalm 53, we see there is that f- the foolish who says there is no g- God and who use their tongue for evil like Doeg did in Psalm 52. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. We've seen that, like I said, in the last several psalms with all of these various enemies. And here we see the same use of the, wicked tongue, the, the tongue of the wicked once again in verse 4 of this psalm. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Now, if I were David in the cave of Adullam or in the wilderness in Engedi, I wouldn't be so concerned at that moment about, about what they're saying about me. I'm, I'm afraid for my life. They're going to come in and take me and grab me and kill me. But his concern is the wicked use of the tongue. And we know that Saul, this is, this whole, the reason this whole incident has taken place is because Saul has spoken against the Lord's anointed. And Saul has told people, David is trying to kill me, go after him. But that was a lie. We see how much disruption was caused by the tongue of one man and his false words. But then what example does the psalmist set before us in order to combat this evil Use of the tongue. Well, it's the use of the tongue in return. Only it is not for evil, but for good. The greatest good that can be done with the tongue, and that is to praise God with it. To call out to God for God to be exalted among the peoples, among the nations, as we see in verse 9 of this psalm. How is it that God's people will gain the victory? By singing. Just like the noise of the people of God who brought down the walls of Jericho when they were walking around it and then gave a great big shout and the walls came tumbling down. So God will bring down the enemies of Christ and His people by the prayers and the praises of His people. The Psalms are the battle songs for the church. Not only do we go into battle singing them, as we often need to do, but singing them is part of the battle. And this is, in essence, what the second half of the psalm is all about, a cry that God would be exalted in victory. And we were looking at that and thinking about that this morning in the adult Sabbath school, that that Christ would be exalted and that He would stand upon the heavens and come down. Notice verse 5. 
In verse 11, they bracket this second half of the psalm. It's the same uh, verse. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. And then verse 11, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. So we see the psalmist stirring himself up to sing to his God. And we must do the same. He says in verse 7, My heart is steadfast, or, or it's fixed, or it is firm. Oh God, my heart is steadfast, it is firm. I will sing and give praise. This vicious attack on David by King Saul ought to remind us of Psalm 2, which sets up the whole Psalter for us, along with Psalm 1, doesn't it? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. The king who set himself against David was Saul. The king who set himself against Jesus was Herod. First, Herod the Great who tried to have Jesus killed when a child, and then Herod Antipas, who in essence approved of Jesus' death sentence as an adult. Did you know that the Herods were kings? Matthew 2.1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. What do you think Jesus, what king do you think Jesus thought of as he was singing these psalms? Psalm 2, Psalm 57 while he was on this earth. Now God God allowed a king like Saul and like Herod to reign for a time in order to for us to see the cruel persecution Satan would instigate instigate against the Lord's anointed from earthly kings. And Satan does this still. Only the persecution now falls upon God's people, those who are united to Christ by faith. Do you remember what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul when he was still uh, an unbeliever, and he was still of uh, the unbeliever Saul, and he was persecuting the church. Remember, Christ appeared to him, and Saul fell down, and he was blinded. And Jesus said to him, as Paul was on his way persecuting God's people, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And now, so now we sing these psalms in Christ because He lives in us. And we are persecuted, remember Christ said, because they first persecuted Him. And by our singing, slowly over time, as the church grows and expands, and more and more people are brought into the kingdom, and more and more people are crying out to God, and praying, and singing praises unto God, Be exalted, O God! The victory of Christ is being accomplished. You see, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not the strength of men, and it's not ultimately by the ballot, by, the, by voting. It's by the singing and the prayers of the people. That is how it's accomplished. And, and by our singing slowly over time, we will bring about the victory of the church and the glory of God will be exalted above the heavens and over all the earth. So with those thoughts in mind, let's, let's turn in our psalters, our blue psalters, to Psalm 57.